Today on the Matt Wall Show, Democrats who sat back and cheered while millions of Americans were impacted by rioting all summer spent last night on the House floor tearfully describing their own trauma from a riot in which none of them were harmed. It's kind of a group therapy session and a cynical and disgusting display as well. So we'll talk about that. Also, five headlines, including the White House declaring that even after you get the vaccine, you still need to wear a mask. So what's the point of the vaccine then? And in our daily cancellation, we'll discuss the resurgent career of Nick Cannon, who got his job back after calling white people subhuman savages. What does that tell us about the nature of privilege in America? Plus, I'll read some of my YouTube comments, all of that and much more today on The Matt Wall Show. Before we really get started today, I want to tell you about uh, ExpressVPN. Listen, there really is no reason why you shouldn't have a VPN. There's no reason. I dare you to give me one reason why you don't have one. You can't. You can't. You can't. You just can't do it. There has never been a more important time to protect your internet activity uh, than right now. If you're going to do it, now's the time. That's why I urge you to get ExpressVPN. Everything you search for, watch, or click online can be tracked by the big tech companies. They can match your activity to your true identity using your, de- your device's unique IP address. Um, they can use this to invade your privacy, which you have a right to. When I switch on ExpressVPN with my computer or phone, my IP address is masked by a secure VPN server, which makes it harder for the websites to identify me. Plus, the other great thing is that uh, you can use ExpressVPN on up to five devices simultaneously. I've got it on all my devices, so multiple users on your network can stay safe with a single subscription. Um, What I like most is how easy it is to use. If it were not easy to do, I wouldn't be able to do it. But uh, for me, all I got to do and all you would have to do is just take one click and you protect all your devices. It's that simple. And then you're giving yourself that little bit of protection that you deserve. Not a little bit, of, but quite, quite a significant amount of protection uh, from the big tech companies who are trying to invade your privacy and have no right to do it. So stop handing over your data to big tech companies. Go with the VPN that I trust for online protection. Visit expressvpn.com slash Walsh to get three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Walsh to get three months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash Walsh right now to learn more. So last night in what somehow managed to be one of the most sickeningly cynical and fraudulent displays we have ever seen on the floor of Congress, and I understand what a statement that is, a group of Democratic representatives decided to hold a group therapy session. Um, As the lockdowns continue to cripple American businesses, millions of our citizens face financial ruin, uh, and our nation faces a host of crises from multiple fronts, the Democrats still carved out some time to talk about their feelings, their favorite subject after all. This uh, special house hearing was requested by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, whose own cinematic tale of narrowly avoiding death at the hands of right-wing assassins took a major hit when it was revealed that the riot was happening in an entirely different building from the one she was in. Nonetheless, Cortez was given more time and space on the taxpayer's dime, in this case, to spin her yarn. So here she is introducing the evening's program while unabashedly labeling herself and her colleagues as survivors. Listen. Less than 29 days later, with little to no accountability for the bloodshed and trauma of the sixth, some are already demanding that we move on, or worse, attempting to minimize, discredit, or belittle the accounts of survivors. In doing so, they not only further harm those who were there that day and provide cover for those responsible, but they also send a tremendously damaging message to survivors of trauma all across this country. Survivors, yeah. AOC is as much a survivor of this riot as I am. 
She was never in any direct danger. She was never confronted by any mob. She did not survive anything except in the general sense of having made it through another day without dying in the sense that we're all survivors by virtue of the fact that we're all still currently alive. If that's what she means, then fine. You know, I'll wear the label too. I'm a survivor. Someone cue the Beyonce song. Now, AOC was joined in this spectacle by such squad luminaries as Cori Bush and Rashida Tlaib, the former vacillated between openly weeping and boldly declaring that she would have personally whooped the asses of any rioters who tried to accost her. Uh, so here she is making that claim. Madam Speaker, St. Louis and I rise to reflect on how our office experienced the white supremacist attack on our nation's capital on January the 6th. Everybody ex is, everybody's experiences are different and everybody's experiences must be validated. So I remember sitting in the office with my team and just thinking to myself, I feel like I'm back at this very minute. I feel like I'm back. I feel like this was one of the days out there on the streets when the white supremacists would show up and start shooting at us. This is one of the days when the police would ambush us from behind, from behind trees and from behind buildings. And all of a sudden now we're on the ground being brutalized. It felt like one of those days. And I just remember taking a second thinking, if they touch these doors, if they hit these doors, the way they hit that door, if they hit these doors and come anywhere near my staff, and I'm just going to be real honest about it. My thought process was, we banging to the end. I'm not letting them take out my people, and you're not taking me out. We've come too far. Yeah, okay, Corey. You're about to go full kill Bill, I'm sure. Had the katana ready and everything. Uh, now, and, and she says it, it, it took her back to the days of white supremacists shooting at her. When were those days exactly? What What is she referring to? That's a, I mean, that's a headline. I'd like to know what, what happened. She says that, that when they were shooting at us, apparently this is something that happened to her. Uh, I'm not aware of that story. Notice too how she, she casually labels the rioters white supremacists, you know, as she has from the beginning. And this isn't very interesting as she thinks everything is white supremacy. She would probably label a literal jar of mayonnaise a white supremacist, but even so... It bears repeating that there's no evidence and never was any evidence that anything that happened on January 6th was at all racially motivated. For her part, Rashida Tlaib could barely speak through her tears, so overcome with emotion, even though she wasn't even in D.C. on the day of the riot. Let's listen to that. So what happened on January 6th, all I could do was thank Allah that I wasn't here. I felt overwhelming relief. And I feel bad for Alexandria, so many of my colleagues that were here. But as I saw it, I thought to myself, thank God, I am not there. I saw the images that they didn't get to see until later. My team and I decided at that point, we'd keep the death threats away. We'd try to report them, document them, to keep them away from me. Because it just paralyzed me and all I wanted to do was come here and serve the people that raised me. Now, she mentions earlier in her speech the death threats that she's gotten during her career, which have nothing to do with the riot. But death threats to a congresswoman or to anyone else are horrible. Um, I, I can tell you that I know that from experience. I myself have had, had plenty of them. I've gotten messages, plenty of messages, saying terrible things about not just me, but my wife and my children. I've had violence threatened against, against my kids. 
it's very upsetting to endure something like that. I know from experience. And the people who make these kinds of threats or send these kinds of emails are vile filth, the lowest of the low. The point simply is that this happens to anyone in the public eye as a consequence, not of systemic racism or anything like that, but of living in such a tribalized society. Another consequence of living in a tribalized society, ironically, is this display on the House floor. This is political stagecraft disguised as raw human emotion. For, for proof of that, if you need it, here finally is Representative Dean Phillips in what was hailed as a moving and powerful speech, but what was really one of the most shamelessly cynical diatribes we have ever heard in such a forum. Here it is. We know what it feels like searching for something, anything, with which to defend ourselves and realizing a pencil is about all we had. And we know what it feels like thinking that it's a real possibility that we would not see our families and loved ones again. We won't forget. We won't forget. But I'm not here this evening to seek sympathy or just to tell my story, rather to make a public apology for recognizing that we were sitting ducks in this room as the chamber was about to be breached, I screamed to my colleagues to follow me, to follow me across the aisle to the Republican side of the chamber so that we could blend in, so that we could blend in. For I felt that the insurrectionists who were trying to break down the doors right here would spare us if they simply mistook us for Republicans. But within moments, I recognized that blending in was not an option available to my colleagues of color. So I'm here tonight to say to my brothers and sisters in Congress and all around our country, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Give me a break, dude. I mean, it, it's really quite brilliant, if also completely dishonorable and disgusting. He implicates all of his Republican colleagues in the riot positions the riot as somehow racially motivated, and pretends to humble himself while at the same time engaging in naked self-aggrandizement. All in the span of 90 seconds, it was, the whole thing was, the whole show, the whole therapy session was in some ways a masterclass for those who are utterly soulless and care for nothing but power. Now, if you're not in that category, though, you will uh, be revolted by the display, especially when you consider that these very same people did not care to hear the stories of trauma from their own constituents who lived through much worse, much more damaging, much more deadly rioting, sustained for a much longer period of time. Yes, I'll say it again. I'll say it a thousand times. The rioting that happened in our cities was much, much, much worse than this. And the fact that this happened to politicians does not make it worse unless you believe that politicians are more worthy, are worth more, have more value than just regular citizens. I don't believe that. Our members of Congress endured an unpleasant few hours one afternoon. I admit that. None of them were ever harmed in any way. Afterwards, they were flanked by National Guard, fortified behind protective barriers, the world cared about what they went through. The system responded forcefully because, after all, these, are, these people are the system. And the people responsible are being hunted down and hit with every possible criminal charge. Okay, so that's been their experience. 
For average Americans, though, in towns like Kenosha, Minneapolis, Atlanta, any of the hundreds of other cities, for them, Portland, Seattle, it's been quite different. In many cases, their neighborhoods are still in ruins, and nobody cares. Nobody's talking about it. The people responsible have not faced justice. If they were arrested at all, their charges were dropped. I mean, they went through weeks and weeks and weeks of chaos, violence, and destruction, and when it ended, nobody helped them pick up the pieces. Nobody's bringing them up on the House floor to shed their tears under the spotlight. They suffer alone and they are forgotten. Even the people who are ostensibly on their side are too cowardly or too stupid to really help. After all, the Republicans could have done what the Democrats just did. They could still do it. They could have brought the victims of BLM rioting to Congress and set aside an hour or more for them to speak and tell their stories, to reveal their lived experience. But Republicans are too incompetent or else disinterested, or else plain dumb to do something like that. And so the very people who normalized rioting and cheered it on and created the situation that we now are in get to make themselves the victims of it. Talk about privilege. What we saw on the floor of the House last night, that's it. That's what privilege looks like. Now let's get to our five headlines. You know, living in Nashville is great. We're enjoying it. But one thing is, living close to a city, I find myself taking Uber um, a lot more than I, than I did before. And the, the bad thing about that is I get car sick. And so I'm dealing with car sickness quite often. And you know if you, if you have to deal with nausea for any reason on a, on a chronic basis, um, it, can, it can really be tough. It's extremely uncomfortable. It can be even worse than uncomfortable sometimes, which is why I solve my problems with Relief Band. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraine, hangover, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. The product is 100% drug-free. It's non-drowsy, so it's better than, you know, if you're on a car, long car ride, you're feeling car sick, maybe you stop at the gas station, get one of those, uh, one of those uh, uh, anti-nausea medications from a gas station somewhere. The problem is that um, they make you drowsy, and, you know, you probably want to be able to stay awake for the day, especially if you're driving. This is zero side effects, non-drowsy. The technology was originally developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients, but now through Relief Band, it's available to the masses. So what you gotta do uh, this new year, if you wanna ensure nausea is never the reason to miss out on life's important moments, right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for Matt Walsh listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code Walsh, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and no questions asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com, reliefband.com, and use promo code Walsh for 20% off. Well, the first piece of news, not, not our first headline, but I, I, I just wanted to mention that um, David Hogg, anti-gun activist, is apparently starting his own pillow company to compete with MyPillow and Mike Lindell. So he's going to start a, he's gonna start a liberal, he's going to start a leftist pillow company. And it really, in some ways, this strikes me as the most leftist thing in the world to make a pillow company out of spite. He's going to be angrily just stitching pillows together. I'm going to get these people. Take this. Here's a pillow for you. Um, But it's good because, you know, uh, it's good that now pillows are tribalized. Next, I think we need our bed sheets and our blankets to be political statements. Uh, I, I think it's great. We, we, I, I can't wait till we're at a point 
where every item in our house and everything we eat and everything we wear is a form of political branding. You can wear your, you can wear your, uh, your liberal socks or your conservative socks. You could drink liberal water or conservative water. That's where we're headed. And it's great because this is how you form a healthy and happy society, isn't it? All right, number one from the Daily Wire says a well-known emergency doctor who's been promoted by the Biden White House said Thursday that folks who did not wear masks to a market in Florida, we played that video for you, the, the CNBC, Shep Smith was very scandalized because people in Florida at a grocery store weren't wearing a mask um, and he couldn't just mind his own damn business. So he did a whole story about it and everything. Well, this uh, doctor said that in reference to those people, he said that um, they should be denied vaccinations against COVID-19, adding, let them die. That's a great thing to hear from a doctor, isn't it? Let them die. In a now deleted post, Dr. Cleveland Gilman captured a video of the maskless Florida market goer saying, Naples, Florida, let them die. I'm so tired of these people. No vaccine for y'all. Um, and then he continued, I'm working in the COVID ICU tonight. I'm so tired of giving 200% while others in the U.S. can't even help by simply wearing a mask. My spirits are high. We'll get through this pandemic together. I'll keep doing my part until we're all vaccinated. And then eventually he took it down and deleted it. Is th This is what he says when his spirits are high. Let them die. Okay, if that's him with his spirits high, I would hate to see this guy when he's pissed off. Especially if he's my doctor. You know, this, this whole thing... Um, I mean, even even if you believe that you know not wearing a mask is this this, this terribly reckless thing and uh, and all of that, and if you get sick, you brought it on yourself, and it, it's very common to hear this. Now, usually you don't hear it quite so explicitly from doctors saying let them die, but it, but at least the peanut gallery on Twitter and elsewhere they've been saying this for months that if you don't wear a mask, then you should get medical treatment. But th th that's you notice these people they would never apply that philosophy in any other context. Like, what about someone who is morbidly obese because of their terrible eating habits and then has heart disease? Would we say, let him die? You, you did in many ways bring that on yourself. Uh, what about someone who gets an STD because they're, you know, going out to a bar? Well, I guess we're not doing that anymore, but someone who meets a different person on Tinder every week ends up with an STD. A consequence we what we all knew would uh, anyone knew would would come and would we say let them die or just let them suffer? Now, see if you're at least if you're gonna if you're going to take this position that allegedly reckless behavior means that you do not deserve medical treatment for the consequences of that behavior, then at least have the guts and the intellectual consistency to go all the way with it. I wouldn't agree, but at least in that case, I would respect your consistency. Okay, number two, the war between the mayor of Chicago and the teachers union is uh, is heating up. And I have to say I'm enjoying it, or I would enjoy it if not for the fact that the kids are being hurt by this. So if not for that, uh, I would enjoy it, but I don't. Here's Mayor Lightfoot uh, taking it up to another level against the teachers union. Watch. Schools are safe. And we all know that to be true based upon our actual in-person experience. And let me remind you of the over $100 million in mitigations that CPS has invested in our schools to make them safe. They included ventilation, testing, health screening, face coverings, enhanced cleaning, and other in-school safety measures. 
And as the expression goes, the proof is in the pudding. CPS had three weeks of successful implementation of these mitigation plans in our schools. That was until the CTU blew up that success and created chaos that we are now enduring. You know, I would like to say that maybe this is some kind of small awakening moment for Democrat mayors across the country. She's not the only one trying to get the schools open and the teachers unions are, are, are refusing. They're, they don't want to they don't want to work. Uh, because as we've been talking about, the, the only the teachers union exists for the teachers, not for the kids. And what that means is that they're pitting the interests of the kids against the teachers. Anytime the interests of the kids and the interests of the teachers collide, teachers unions are always going to say, well, let's it's, it's all about the teachers. In fact, it's not just that they put teachers above the kids. It's just that the kids are irrelevant to the teachers union. They don't take into consideration. Education is also irrelevant to the teachers union. The only thing the teachers union cares about is why they exist is just to get more perks and advantages for the teachers and anything they can get, they'll take. That's all that matters to them. So I would like to say that this is an awakening moment, maybe maybe a, a small little red pill moment for some Democrat mayors where they're realizing that, oh, gee, the teachers union, they're sort of a cancer on the education system. I mean, maybe we shouldn't have this really powerful organization in the education system that is uh, that that does this, that dis- dis- discards, disregards the interests of, of of kids and of education. Maybe this is a bad thing. I would like to say that, but we all know that um, this lesson that Mayor Lightfoot and others are learning will not be will not last long. Once once we get past this, however long it takes, if it takes ten years, eventually they're going to go right back into. Um, into propping up the teachers union again, unfortunately. Number three, Jen Psaki at the White House press conference reiterated something that we've we've been hearing more and more recently, uh, and that some of us predicted long ago. But let's listen. Uh, what we're also trying to do is make our health and medical experts available to ensure people understand, and I'll reiterate it here today, it's not just a vaccine, it's obviously a, an incredible medical breakthrough, um, and we want every American to have one. But even after you're va- vaccinated, uh, social distancing, wearing masks are going to be essential, and we'll, we'll, we'll need to continue communicating about that through health and medical experts. If you want people to actually get vaccinated, if you believe in the vaccination and you want people to get vaccinated, and you want this to end, okay, if all those things apply to you, which the White House, Joe Biden, Jen Psaki would say that it does, then this is the worst possible message that you could possibly have. All you're doing is discouraging people from getting the vaccination. Because what you're telling people, what you're implying anyway, I mean, the the message people will take from this is that, oh, well, apparently the vaccine doesn't really do much. You're saying my lifestyle is not going to change at all. I have to take all the same precautions and what? then why am I getting the vaccine exactly? Either the vaccine is effective or it isn't. If it's effective, then I shouldn't need the mask and I shouldn't need to socially distance. And in fact, this this is the reason. I'm guessing like 90% of the people, especially those who are not elderly and who do not have uh, uh, pre-existing conditions, 90% of those or more that are going off to get the vaccine or who will get the vaccine in the future, it's the thing that's going to motivate them is this idea that they can get back to normal once they have it. If you're taking that away, then people aren't going to get vaccinated. And when you have trouble getting people vaccinated, that's your fault for that message. So the, the truth, though, why, why are they saying this? 
I think there's two reasons. Number one, it's just it people in power like having it. We know it's the same old story. And they're not gonna they're not gonna relinquish it easy. They 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 like having it. People in positions of power, they can they can they can control what we wear on our faces, they can tell us how close we can be to other human beings. They like that power, they do. They're never gonna admit it, but they enjoy it. And so they're clinging on to that. And also at another level, um, they just don't trust us as the American people. So the, the problem from, from their perspective probably is that if they say, well, uh, okay, you get the vaccine and then you know you really don't need the mask anymore because the vaccine works, right? Um, if they say that, well, then how are they going to know, right? If, you, if you're going into a store without a mask, how are they going to know whether you got the vaccine or not? I mean, maybe they give out vaccine cards or something, but they're not sure if people will go along with that. They don't want to go that far. So the next solution is just to have everyone wear a mask whether they, whether they, they want it or not. Because that's, that's what this has been about all along. Many of these regulations and everything, it's just because they think we're stupid and reckless and basically suicidal. And so they have to treat us that way. And that's how they've been approaching this pandemic from day one. Treating us like absolute children and morons. And the, the, the unfortunate thing is that a lot of people are perfectly okay with that. Perfectly okay with being treated that way. Number four from the Daily Wire, a USA Today sports columnist says that um, NFL superstar quarterback Tom Brady eluded criticism over his support for former President Donald Trump because of white privilege. In a piece published Tuesday, headline, Tom Brady has gotten an undeserved pass for his past support of Donald Trump. Nancy Armour said the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers QB shouldn't get a pass just because he's a star. Uh, she wrote, quote, how mighty white of him. Brady's ability to enter and exit the debate at his choosing to shield himself from accountability is the height of white privilege. As this country grapples with the far reaches of systemic racism, look no further than Brady, for whom the expectations and allowances granted will always be different. This, uh, you keep hearing this point. It is so unbelievably stupid on so many levels. We covered it in the Daily Cancellation, at least the comparison with Tom Brady and Kaepernick. Oh, why does Kaepernick not have a job that Tom Brady does? Well, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in NFL history, bar none. There's no debate about it anymore. And Colin Kaepernick, well, sucks. And so that's why he doesn't have a job. And on top of that, he's also a huge headache, and he's got the circus act that he brings along with him. And, uh, and there's just no good reason. If you own a team or if you're a general manager, why would you want a second or third string caliber guy who's going to bring a lot of unwanted negative attention and probably accuse you of racism when you don't start him? Why would you want him on your team? You wouldn't. Why would you want Tom Brady on your team? Well, again, because he's won six Super Bowls. He's the greatest quarterback in history. Okay. Pretty simple there. But this claim is like trying to make Tom Brady into this guy, this political guy. When has Tom Brady made any political statement through his own career? His whole career, what, this, this thing about him being a, a Trump supporter, that is based on the fact that like five years ago, he had a MAGA hat in his locker. He didn't call attention to it. He didn't put it on and say, hey, everybody, look, I'm a Trump supporter. He just had it there. And cameras spotted it. And this is being called a political statement. And it's being compared to the statements of Colin Kaepernick who protested during a game and during the anthem. We're going to compare those two things. Give me a break. Tom Brady has been very consistently apolitical through his whole career. Now, 
So it's not that Tom Brady is dipping in and out of, of political conversations at will, and he's able to do that because of white privilege. Do you know someone, a, a star athlete, who's able to do that, what, what, what Tom Brady is accused of? Um, he, she says, enter and exit the debate at his choosing. You know who's doing that? LeBron James. Not a white guy. LeBron James, he can, was a massive star athlete, um, and he can enter into a political debate, say a bunch of incendiary, inflammatory things, throw lob a couple of rhetorical grenades into an already chaotic situation, and then just step out and go about his day. And he plays, and you know, he's going to be starring in Space Jam. He gets the he gets the, all you know the, the Hollywood jobs. He's got he's got shows on I think HBO or Netflix. Uh, very marketable celebrity, an athlete. And he is able to do that while also being, at times, intensely political and in very unhelpful and inflammatory ways. That's not Tom Brady. That's LeBron James. Number five, a defendant in Florida. Um, I don't know. Maybe you got to respect this. A defendant in Florida tried to make a move on the judge during his bond hearing. And uh, bold move. Let's see if it paid off. Demetrius Lewis on page 26. Just the one hand. How you doing? How you doing? All right, I'm good, sir. How are you? George, you are so gorgeous, this judge. I just have to tell you, you're gorgeous. Thank, thank you, Mr. Lewis. All right, Mr. All right, Mr. Lewis. Flattery will get you everywhere, but maybe not here. Flattery will get you everywhere, but maybe not here. Uh, I mean, you gotta you gotta respect it. Maybe, 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 maybe you do, maybe you don't. But I, I saw that, and it remind in some ways, it reminded me of a video. This is from a few years ago. But unfortunately, there, there are many people who have never had the pleasure of seeing this. And that, and that, uh, that came to my attention recently. It's been one of my favorite videos for a long time. Many people have never seen this. A similar. Now, this, so, okay, so that guy, he's, he's, he's sitting on the judge uh, during the bond hearing. He's making an, he's, you know, he's making a, uh, an attempt. Um, there was a guy a few years ago. This is during the sentencing hearing. And I think he was, he was arrested. He was, he was charged, convicted of false imprisonment and a number of other felonies. And he tries actually serenading the judge during the sentencing hearing. And if you've never seen or heard this before, well, you're in for a treat. Let's, uh, let's watch. You know, that's why I wrote a song. Hello there. Yeah, I never want to say how sorry. This is based on Adele. This is this is when the, uh, the hello the Adele song was done. And I try and be stronger in this life I chose, but I want you to know. Now, notice how no one's laughing in the background. That door I close, in your honor, I'm sorry. How is sorry, nobody laughing? Sorry, sorry. To my mother, I'm sorry, sorry, Everyone's just, sorry, like, does this happen all the time? Is this a common occurrence? To the victim, I'm sorry, sorry, To the victim, I'm sorry. sorry, sorry False imprisonment, he kidnapped somebody. But he's singing, I'm sorry. Yes, Your Honor, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Everyone just business as usual. Thank you, Your Honor. There you go. Now, that guy got 17 years in prison. So, um, the song... I don't know. I guess the judge was not an Adele fan. Should have chosen maybe a different pop song to to go with. I, you know that. I, we talked yesterday about uh, about people are indoctrinated by Disney movies. 
And we've seen way too many Disney movies growing up, brainwashed by them. So we think we can anthropomorphize animals. A similar thing here, maybe this guy has seen too many musicals. And so he watches the musicals and he sees how someone can get themselves out of a bind by just singing a song, expressing their feelings. And that's enough. And he tried it here. And uh, fortunately, it doesn't work in real life. You know, I don't, I don't know a lot about style, but one thing I do know is that a really good-looking watch can put an outfit together. It's sometimes the last little piece you need that's going to tie everything together. And uh, that's why I love Vincero. Coming off the heels of some brand new product releases, Vincero Watches is here to tell you that the perfect time to get that perfect gift for yourself or somebody else is right now. Their, their Valentine's Day special is officially active for all my listeners. Um, visit VinceroWatches.com slash Walsh. If you're looking to upgrade your look or better yet, upgrade the look of that special someone that deserves a well-thought-out gift, now is your chance to get it on sale. Don't believe, look, if you're married, if you're in any kind of relationship, uh, don't believe anyone who says they don't want the gift for Valentine's Day because they, everybody wants a gift when it comes down to it for any occasion. So make sure you get them the gift. Uh, VinceroWatches.com. Finding a watch that's this good-looking, built to last, can, you know, oftentimes cost way too much, way too much money. Um, and you deserve better than settling for something that's underwhelming or having to spend way more money than you need to. And that's the mistake a lot of people make with watches. Head over to VinceroWatches.com slash Walsh and take advantage of this special discount while you shop. It's important to shop now because they have new color releases for the new year and they sell out fast, especially during this time of year. So you got to go right now. And also with the new year, they're offering a five-year warranty and a 365-day return policy. All of this stuff, you can, you, can, you can get this right now, but you've got to go right now. The deal is really too good to pass up. Get access to their Valentine's Day sale right now. Go to VinceroWatches.com forward slash Walsh. That's V-I-N-C-E-R-O Watches.com forward slash Walsh. And the discount will be auto-applied at checkout. It's that simple. Do not pay full price on these beautiful timepieces. Go to my link and check out these awesome timepieces now. All right, we're going to move on to our new segment. Reading the comments, the YouTube comments. Um, a, f- a couple of comments from yesterday worth worth noting, if I can find them. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Rogue Addict says, in reference to that uh, bat story that we talked about yesterday, you know, the, the flightless arthritic bat who's, whose uh, caretakers are flying it around even though it can't fly, doesn't know any better because it's blind. And I said, the, the most merciful thing with an animal like this is, even though it's very cute and heartwarming to keep them alive, uh, the most merciful thing is to just put them down, right? When, you, when the animal cannot perform its, its a ba- a basic function like fly or walk, whether it's a dog or a bat, you put them down. That's the most merciful thing. Rogue Addict says, using your logic, should we also kill the vets that came back without limbs or with the PTSD? They are also far from happy and they are in pain. I heard this from a lot of people when I made that point. And this is why it, it, it always somehow manages to surprise me each time when I have to clarify something here. And that is that people aren't bats. Okay, that, that's the difference. No, I'm not in favor of killing people who are, say, crippled or, uh, or blind. I'm not, I'm not in favor of that. That's because they're people. And people are more important than bats. People are more important than animals. People are more important than your dog, who you love so much. Every person on earth is more important than your dog. And we all know that, but we pretend not to. We all know that, which is why when you're driving down the road and you see a dead raccoon or a dead deer on the side of the road, you you don't think anything of it. You don't pull over. You don't don't start crying. You don't say, oh my my God, what happened? 
You don't do that. Now, if you were driving by and you saw a dead person on the side of the road, you're going to react very differently to that, aren't you? Why is that? Because people are more important, have more value than animals. For some reason, when you say it out loud, it's scandalous to people. It's one of those things that everyone thinks. Even the people at PETA think it. That's why they kill animals in their shelters all the time. All right. Rogue addict. Not good. Um, Steve A. says, our local hardware store says masks are optional. Business is booming. People are smart. They know who's at risk and who isn't. The fake outrage from that jackass on MSNBC is more disgusting. Uh, that is uh, CNBC, not MSNBC. Okay, don't. Um, is more disgusting than the filthy rags people are covering their face with. And that is what it comes down to. Is people just don't, you know, it, the, the message, if we had um, leaders who respected us, the message from the very beginning would have been just be smart, uh, be careful, you know? And if you're, if, if you're at a particular risk of, of COVID, then, you know, you, you want to take even more precautions maybe than someone who isn't. And so we're not going to have the same, not everyone's going to be doing exactly the same thing. Not everyone has to lock themselves in, the, in their home. Not everyone is at the same risk level. Not everyone is at the same risk of, of, of um, being severely affected by COVID. And not everyone's at the same risk of spreading it either. Uh, Don Hathaway says, your decision to forego using a private jet to help save the planet has inspired me to do the same. If ever I get the chance to own a Lamborghini, I pledge to never drive it. Thank you for setting the bar so high. And thank you, Don. These are, these are things we're all, we all, you know, we all have to do our part. I'm not flying a private jet. You're not driving a Lamborghini. We're all doing our part. Uh, Elaine says, Matt Walsh channeling boondock saints. And then she quotes, they all just watched as Kitty was being stabbed to death in broad daylight. They watched as her assailant walked away. Now we must we now we must all fear evil men, but there is another kind of evil which we must fear most, and that is the indifference of good men. Uh, yeah, good quote there. And, and Boondock Saints, of course, I'm a I'm a child of the '90s, so I I love that movie when I was a teenager. I haven't gone back and watched it again because it's one of those movies that I suspect if I watched again as an adult, it wouldn't hold up. Although I don't know, I'm just going to let it be, you know, in my memories as a great movie. Um. But I actually, I disagree. See, it's not the indifference of good men that we have to worry about in society because good men, by definition, are not indifferent. If you're, if you're a good man or a good woman, then you have virtue, and virtue is not indifferent. Virtue is, is an active, present thing. Virtue is something that you're doing every day. Um, virtues like, uh, uh, like courage and humility and mercy, these are things that we do. So, no, it's not the indifference of good men we have to worry about because that's kind of a misnomer. It's a contradiction in terms. Uh, it's the indifference of bad people. And I would submit that the, the primary or at least the most um, harmful form of badness in our culture today is indifference. It's not, it's not hate per se. Yeah, there are a lot of hateful people, but those aren't really the people we got to worry about the most. It's just the empty indifferent people who maybe don't care, you know, they don't hate their fellow man. They just don't care about their fellow man at all. It makes no difference to them. That's what we have to worry about. Finally, Scott says, Matt, stop showing your biceps. I want to be able to actually listen to you. Well, Scott, out of respect for you, I have worn long sleeves today. Um, you know, I would never want to cause, I'm a Christian. I would never want to cause my brother in Christ to stumble. So I'm looking out for you. Protecting your heart, as they say. Well, you know, it's February, and not a lot going on in February. Not a lot to write home about besides Groundhog Day. You know how I feel about that. Valentine's Day, you know how I feel about that. 
uh, the Super Bowl. I mean, that's one thing at least. But here's the big thing about February. Um, it is now, it's being dubbed February Harry. That's right. Happy February Harry, everyone. Uh, for me, it's, you know, there's also January Harry, June Harry. All the months are Harry for me. But now's the time for you to get a little Harry, grow a beard. But please, do yourself a favor. Do all of us a favor because we have to look at your ugly mug. So do us, do us a favor and, and do it in style. Beard Supply is running a promo right now on all of their beard oils. Buy one, get a second one, 50% off. Uh, no promo code necessary. You just head on over to beardsupply.com to get the discount today. I get asked all the time how I manage to have such a glorious, well-kept uh, beard that just elevates my own look so much. Um, and one of, the, one of the secrets I tell people, and this is true, beard oil. Uh, you, you know, you can't just grow the beard and leave it. You got to take care of the beard, nurture the beard. Beard oil not only moisturizes, moisturizes away the itch so that you feel better while you're wearing it, uh, it also nourishes your hair for a better uh, looking beard overall. And this is something that you need to do. So grab one today, get a second one, 50% off. Knowing these oils are all natural and all awesome for your whiskers, whether those whiskers be old or new, whatever the case may be, this is what you got to do. Visit beardsupply.com to get the promo code today. That's beardsupply.com. And also, you know, this is it, people. This is your chance to get 25% off a new Daily Wire membership with code RHF, and it's fading fast. So sign up today to watch our new feature film, Run, Hide, Fight. You've been hearing us talking about it for, for weeks now. If you've waited, if you procrastinated this whole time, then um, don't miss your chance to get that 25% off. That is, as my dad would always say, that's penny wise and pound foolish. So make sure you go right now, dailywire.com, get the 25% off deal. And um, you also get to watch this, this movie that um, is just thoroughly entertaining, very suspenseful. And as we've told you, the people love it. 93% rating from the audience. And they're not going to lie to you. 27% rating from the critics. It's even gone up. It used to be at like 14%. So even the critics are warming to it a little bit, but not that much. But who cares what they think? I care what the audience thinks and the, the audience loves it. This is your last chance, okay? Use promo code RHF to get 25% off your membership at dailywire.com and join us today in this cultural fight. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Now today for our daily cancellation, let's look at two stories that are happening at the same time. First, Morgan Wallen is watching his career implode before his eyes as a consequence of a video that catches the country star, country music star, uh, using a, a racial slur. Now, Wallen and his buddies were laughing and carrying on after returning home from a night of drinking this past weekend, and their antics were so loud and disruptive that they woke up the neighbors, one of whom decided to pull out a phone and document the commotion. Unfortunately for Wallen, the camera had been turned on right before he shouted to one of his friends across the street, presumably referring to another friend who was in perhaps an especially drunken state. Uh, he said, take care of this blank N-word. Here's, uh, here's the video. Take care of this hey, hey, actually, hey, y'all too. Hey, take care of this. Oh, hey, take, hey, Gracie, take care of this. Okay, so I just I wanted you to to see or hear that just to get the tone of it. Um. It's clear that Wallen used a word he should not have used. It's also clear that he didn't mean for it to be public, though he did shout it in the street, which is not a good way of keeping things private. And he meant it as a joke, okay? Nonetheless, as expected, the penalties have been quite significant. 
Wallen apologized profusely, but that didn't stop the inevitable from happening. His record label suspended him. The Academy of Country Music Awards revoked his eligibility. Cumulus Media, iHeart Media, and SiriusXM pulled all of his songs from their stations, effectively removing him from the radio altogether. Okay, this is the swiftest and harshest backlash we have probably seen against a star, a star musician in, I don't know how long, years, at least. Even though star musicians do and say objectionable things all the time. While Wallen's star is rapidly plummeting after saying one offensive thing, a thing which, if context matters, was said drunkenly and in jest, another star is ascending again after a minor and temporary dip. The juxtaposition here, I think, is quite instructive. Nick Cannon and Viacom CBS have reunited and are feeling so good. And the production of his VH1 series, Wild and Out, will resume following a brief suspension of their relationship following comments that Cannon made on his podcast last summer. Um, now, you, you might remember what provoked the backlash was Cannon's claim that black people can't be anti-Semitic because they are, they are the Semitic people and they are, quote, the true Hebrews. This is what prompted the brief severing of ties with Viacom CBS and an apology from Cannon. And that, but that's all water under the bridge now, apparently. Cannon's career is back and it's on track and he's rolling again. No problem. But the true Hebrew stuff wasn't close to the worst thing he said during the podcast. The, the really offensive and racist remarks were never acknowledged by the media or by Cannon himself or even by Viacom CBS when they initially condemned his statements. They just ignored this part. Cannon, in fact, has faced no consequence, not even a temporary consequence, for his actual racist diatribe in which he claimed that white people fear black, quote unquote, and have a, quote, lack of compassion because of their melanin deficiency. And if that wasn't enough, he also said that white people are, quote, a little less, read, inferior to black people, and that because they don't have the power of the sun, they behave, quote, out of fear, out of low self-esteem, and out of deficiency, and can, quote, only act evil, robbing and raping in order to survive, he says. White people, Cannon says, are, quote, closer to animals and are, quote, the true savages. Okay, that's, these are all things that he said. Um, this is by far and away the most racist thing that any celebrity of his stature has said in many years. I mean, if you've got, a, if you've got a, a more racist thing, then let me know. And he never apologized for it. And, he never, and, he, and he had, now he has his job back. So let's stack these two situations up against each other. Wallen used a racial slur in a non-racial context, was drunk and joking, and never meant for it to be recorded. Cannon, on the other hand, expressed his true feelings about white people with thorough detail and did so publicly and proudly. His opinion, as he says himself, is that white people are subhuman animalistic savages and are inferior to him. So who's committed the greater sin here? Who suffered the worst consequence? Objectively, there is little doubt that Wallen is the lesser offender, also the lesser human by Nick Cannon's way of thinking, and even less doubt that he has endured the more severe professional consequences. He's also the only one between the two of them who apologized. So, talking about privilege as we were earlier, who has the real privilege here? The man who said a bad thing, apologized, and lost his career anyway, or the man who said a worse thing, didn't apologize, and got his career back? You cannot say that the first man has all the privilege without removing all meaning from the word privilege. So is it enough then in that case to say that white privilege is a myth, but black privilege is real? Is that what I'm getting to here? No, not quite. Because if it were as simple as that, 
then Candace Owens, not only black, but a woman as well, would enjoy all of Nick Cannon's privilege and then some. But that's clearly not the case. So rather than black or white privilege, it's probably more accurate to speak of identity privilege or more accurately, tribal privilege. Your privilege is tied to your tribe. And within the privileged tribe, the pecking order is determined by a complicated and convoluted hierarchy of identities. Nick Cannon can survive and thrive in spite of his insanely racist views, or even partly because of them, maybe, um, due first and foremost to his leftism. Okay, now if Cannon were a conservative, an acolyte of, you know, Thomas Sowell instead of Louis Farrakhan, there would be no redemption arc for him. But within that leftist tribe, which affords him power and prestige to begin with, he earns his rank according to his racial and sexual identity. Though the privilege of his tribe, uh, so through the privilege of his tribe and, and by its own internal rules, he can say pretty much whatever he wants about race. But he's not at the very top of the intersectional heap. So if, so if instead of white people, he had labeled, say, gay people or transgenders or women as, quote, a little less, then he'd be banished from polite society with all the same speed and vigor that has been directed at Morgan Wallen. Now, as for Morgan Wallen, he's white, a country singer, and he lives in Nashville, which makes him, for all intents and purposes anyway, a conservative or at least conservative adjacent. He is the wrong race and in the wrong tribe. The only privilege he has then is the kind he can buy with all his wealth. And that'll probably be enough to keep him comfortable for a while, but not enough to save his career or his reputation. And this is privilege. This is how privilege works. This is, Nick Cannon shows exactly how privilege works. It's kind of confusing. It's a, a tangled web indeed, but this is the way it goes. And this is why the concept of white privilege is canceled. And Nick Cannon is canceled. By me, anyway, if not by anybody else. For whatever that's worth, which is, unfortunately, nothing at all. We'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Talk to you on Monday. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Walsh Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Clavin Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Clavin Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Clavin. <laughs>